And it's Brother Larry Self, and he is over our Cookville Rescue Mission. And it's so important that we start being an outward, an outward outreaching body that is out not to just give money to something and say you do it, but for us to be a part of it and to help with the kingdom of God. You know, the kingdom of God goes beyond these walls. We are not called to stay within these walls. We're called to go out. And I would encourage you to please welcome and receive Brother Larry Self. Amen. Bless you. You're welcome. Thank you, Connie. Thank you very much. You know, I, I remember a lot of folks from different situations. And remember, remember some of you from the old All, uh, All Good First Baptist Church when it was down in town. Now, I, I used to say that if, if I ever quit being affiliated with the rescue mission, that would be my church. I hadn't changed my mind. I promise you, I have not changed my mind. I'm just so, I feel so welcome, and the good spirit is so flowing so freely here. And I'm not going to take just a few minutes of your time, because you're a pastor. Boy, I tell you what, it's a great message. I'm ready. I, you want to do the same one? I'm looking for it again. I tell you what. Uh, but seriously, there's some stuff out on the table. Now, this one little one little sheet, not, those out on the table are not as wrinkled as that one is. But it, it gives you some suggestions how you can be involved in the rescue mission. Certainly, your, your, don, your, your money, uh, monetary donation down through the years has been so blessed, and we appreciate that. Uh, but I tell you what, in, in your prayers is also greatly needed. But let me tell you, we've got this farm we've just got started, and it's, it's, we call it the Step Upward Farm. And it's to give people a little extra oof, you know, that needs a little more time to get their head screwed on right. We, we teach them the Word of God and some life-changing skills and what have you. And besides that, now, our brother mentioned this morning, every night at 7 o'clock, there's a devotion, the Word of God, going out every night and twice on Sunday at your local rescue mission. So take anything you want to away from us, but do not take the, the privilege of, of preaching and teaching God's Word. One reason now. One reason, we avoid like the plague any kind of state, federal, city, or county monies because we are there to preach the gospel. We don't want anyone to tie our hands on that. So please, if you take time, once you get to, if you're not too big a hurry to get to Burger King or Shoney's, uh, <laughs> grab me up some, I throw that in for, for Joe, Joe Wilmer's sake, you know, <laughs> okay? But, uh, but if you pick up some of this information, that'll give you a better idea of what's going on than what we could probably tell you. Uh, but let me tell you this real quickly. I shared in the earlier service how that God had, had, had anointed me with some fresh oil to reach out and try to give these men uh, a little better step up in life that they can go back home. You know, like Jesus sent that man to go back home and take care of your families. Basically, what I told him, that's what we're telling these men. Go back home and be a daddy to your, your children and a husband to your wife and a son to your mama. But let me tell you something else. See, even though God has given us this new vision, expanded vision, brother, I was in service uh, Sunday night, I guess it was. It might have been Wednesday night at the chapel, and I looked across. See, my first calling was downtrodden men. And I want you to know, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you honest as I can, I stood there, and God washed over me a, a, a great love for these men. It, it was just like fresh oil. And seek so pray that this ignorant country preacher will not only try to launch out and do the new things with the families and the farm, the dental clinic, and all this other stuff, but will not forget our first love, our first calling, that the downtrodden men, that, and I'm telling you, sister, 
I, I do devotions. Uh, most of the time I do them on sa- Saturday night. I do one at the family lodge and one at the men's division. And I'm here to tell you that I do believe that I, I'm just as excited doing that devotion with them men especially as I was when God called me. Someone says your memory is just bad, <laughs> but I'm telling you, God gives me that fresh oil. And so when you pray for the rescue mission and this ignorant country preacher, you pray that he'll always be submissive and also uh, uh, receive that fresh oil from our Father. Would you do that for me? God bless your heart. Thank you for your past support. Come over and visit with us. We'll give you a 25-cent tour and get you involved. How about that? Come on, Brother Pastor. Appreciate that. I got it. Thank you. Bless you. If the ushers would come forward, we'd like to give you an opportunity to sow into the rescue mission. Um, I want to say something that he had said at first service. He said, what, a, what, great, what better great gift could be given to our community than for the men of this community to be given back to their families? For kids to get their dads back and for wives to get their husbands back. And um, that's a part of what this new, new program that he's starting off. And I would encourage you as, as we give, give, we'll write one check, write it to Church on the Hill, and we'll give it to the rescue mission. But I want to do a calling out for more than that, that it's not just the money that they need. And they need your money, but they need you. Our community needs you. And I want you to notice something. Just in the last year or so, the outpouring of what God's doing. He started Mustard Seed Ranch which we have a host family that goes to church here. He started another ministry just lately. It's called, um, it's a teen challenge for women uh, in Gainesboro. That's Tim McLaughlin is heading up that we're wanting to be a part of as a church family on a monthly basis, just like we are the rescue mission. And now what he's doing here with these men and what you've been doing for years, he said back since 1981. And I will tell you, Larry self is a selfless person has given his life to this. And I would encourage you, I'd encourage you to give this morning, but I would also encourage you to dig down deep in what is God calling you to do? Because I promise you, it's more than you're doing. God's got you here on this earth to do more than what you're doing right now. Not trying to make you feel guilty. I'm just trying to jumpstart you a little bit. God is calling us out. God is calling us out. And you know, four years ago or three years ago, I did a... kind of cast my net out at mustard seed and said, I believe somebody here is called to step out. I didn't know what it was. And sure enough, God hooked somebody. It was a Brian and Christy Mueller. And I want you to know the Lord's calling somebody out this morning. I can't say specifically, but I know that he is calling somebody to more than what you're doing. God has a calling on your life. It's time we find it and we start moving in it. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, help us to be obedient. And Lord, I ask you specifically to help the rescue mission. Lord, I ask you to help our community. Lord, that your word would be proclaimed to our community. And Brother Self is a part of that. Every single night is it going on in that place, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that you are the God of Putnam County. And that you have not left us or forsaken us. And that you are ready to rescue. And I ask you, Lord, to help your church to be willing to cast their net. And to be able to say, Lord, send me. Send me. Help us, Lord. And I ask you to bless bless the rescue mission. And love Larry Self. In Jesus' name. Amen.
By the way, this is a ministry that we support every month. And it's my intention that Brother Larry come in once a year to share with us what's going on new at the rescue mission. He's also a preacher. I'm hoping to have him in the recent future, maybe on a Wednesday night or sometime to come and preach to us. I remember when Matt, Pastor Matt had him to preach and how good it was. So I will do it. I'll do it. We want to have you in here and we want to be a part of what you're doing. Amen. Everybody doing good? You're alive. I can tell that in worship. Bless you. Let me charge you up just for a minute. You're doing good. I appreciate you. You're an encouragement to this worship team. You're an encouragement. And let me tell you, we are we are joining in with all creation. When I start to hear the shouts and the screams and the girls and the boys dancing down here, let me tell you, God's smiling on us. God's liking it. How could he not like that? How could he not like somebody getting free and shouting out to him? Walls come tumbling down when that starts happening. Think about the king dancing before the Lord in front of everybody. His wife said, look at you, you look like a fool. He said, it's going to get even worse than this, honey. This ain't nothing. She, my wife hates it when I use the word ain't, but you ain't seen nothing yet. So good. I want to I encourage you. Man, you guys jumping up and down. He's under my feet. You know, sometimes you just need to do a little of that to get your mind off everything else that's going on. You know what? Satan is under your feet. The God of peace. The God of peace has put Satan under your feet. Not under his feet. Under your feet. Amen. Whatever you're battling, it's under your feet if you'll just stand up. If you'll position yourself with God Almighty, it's under your feet. Ooh, that's good. Come on now. What risks? What are your odds? If you were here last week, we talked about some, some odds of money or odds of dying. We talked about the odds of you dying by a spider bite was something like one in 60,000. Either that or one in 100,000. It was so much, it was more than I, my mind can fathom. Then we looked at the odds of gambling and how terrible your odds are. You're better off just to give them your money and leave. Same thing. You just won't waste the time. Then we talked about the lottery. And how I said your chances are better for you to go to the moon as an astronaut than for you to win the lottery. Save your money. It's a loser. And stats will show you that if you do win the big jackpot, the big, whatever you call the big number, the five number, whatever it is, if you do win it, chances are you're going to wind up worse off than before you won it. It's a lose-lose. And if you're, if you're lying to yourself and doing it because you want to help the public school system, give your money to the schools. Don't buy the ticket. Like God's your provider, not the lottery. He's a better provider than the lottery. All right. We have been looking again at the names of God. When you are up against the odds that everything's stacked against you, it's important that you know the name of God. His name is Jehovah Nisi. I am the God that defends you. It literally is I am the Lord, your banner. 
What does that mean? That means before your battle even comes, the Lord is out front. Do you know the children of Israel, when they were about to go take the land, take the promised land, they had to wait 40 years, right? They messed up, had to wait 40 years. But did you know the enemy knew they were coming all along? And they were scared to death. Why? Because of Jehovah Nisi. They already knew they were defeated. And they're like, would you come on already? We know we're defeated, but please, there's something about having to wait for your punishment. You know, that's torture. Have you ever gotten in trouble and you're just waiting for dad to get home? That's like the, the promised land. That's like the Amalekites and the parasites. You know, they're sitting over there. They're sitting over there saying, would you just please come on? I did that on purpose, Pam. I, that, wasn't, that wasn't a mess up. <laughs> Pam's like, oh, my Lord, did he just do that? The Jebusites and the Ammonites and the Malachites and the Parasites. Yeah. <laughs> the Lord, our banner is going before us. And the things that are up against us, we can handle because of Jehovah Nisi. The Lord, our banner. I defend you when the odds are against you. And we started looking at this example last week. Second Chronicles chapter 20. It's a story of the nation of Israel being attacked by three nations. And the king of that nation was Jehoshaphat. And these three nations all showed up to go to battle against them. Now I've had a similar story. Not three nations coming against me. But this weekend I've had plumbing battles. Friday we had leaks. In our ceiling, above above uh, above our second level, above our family room, two of them. Um, they came and fixed it, or came and dealt with it. We've got holes in our ceiling now, and it's full of mold, and we're having to spray and do all the nasty stuff. But praise God, the mold's been revealed. And we're going to kill it. It's going to die. It has no place in this home, and we're going to kill it. Amen. God's a revealer. God's a revealer. Okay, so. The next morning, get up, and we got a sump pump issue. Two things completely not related, but I'm going to have to have my yard dug out. <laughs> Glory. <laughs> then this morning, I got up, and the hot water wasn't working. All three things not related. But as I was taking a cold shower, started thinking, God, you're the God over my plumbing. You're the God over my plumbing. I started to think how impacting this plumbing thing was and how expensive it was going to be and how am I going to pay for it? And it's right here at Christmas time. And what are we going to do? Then I started realizing to God, plumbing. Come on. Plumbing. You're all worried about your plumbing. Look at me. I got it. I got you. Forget your plumbing. You may be battling a financial problem. You may be battling a disease problem or a health problem. You may be battling a relationship problem. I want you to know that these steps in Second Chronicles 20 is not just for good reading. It is to change your life and to show you that Jehoshaphat was up against it. This little bitty nation against these large armies coming after him. You know, Israel's still a small nation. But something I can tell you is they're not going to be killed out. Everything looks like it's going against them. They're not going anywhere. Scripture tells me that. The word of God says, if you will pray for the peace of Israel, you will be blessed. Israel's staying here because it's God's city. 
It's God's nation. And I'm a part of that. I'm not going anywhere. The only place I've got to go is heaven. So, what did Jehoshaphat do? We learned last week. He came to God. He said, all these enemies are against me. What do I do? He said, I'm afraid. Let's go talk to God. That's what we saw last week. In the middle of your issues, the odds being stacked against you, you must turn to God first. Turning to God is not a last resort. It is the first option. It is not a last resort. We turn to him. Secondly, what did Jehoshaphat do? Number two, we talk to God. I want you to look at this scripture right here. It says, then King Jehoshaphat went and stood before them, the nation of Israel, and he prayed aloud. He went before the people and prayed aloud. Now, I want to turn this back around just for a moment. We think it would be so strange, but we shouldn't, if our president were to stand up and proclaim that God is our God. We may say, well, we don't know how President Obama really is with the Lord. doesn't matter. Will we pray and ask the Lord to turn his heart? I am for Barack Obama. He is our president. He is in control of our nation. We should be praying for him. Can God not turn a king? We see it everywhere. We see it everywhere. Why not him? Why don't he stand up before the nation and pray out loud on behalf of our nation? Why not? We think, oh, that wouldn't be right. He'll never do that. That's our problem. We have faith for some things, but for other things, we're like, there's no way. So we don't even believe or pray. We just let it go. My faith isn't based on our president. If it's based on man or situations, I'm never going to get through the things I'm going through. It's not based on the state of our nation. It's based on God. My faith is based on my belief in him and him alone. But look, he says that he prayed aloud. You know, something good to do is praying aloud. You know, when you're praying in your mind, even if you're reading in your mind, think about how easily your mind wanders. And how all of a sudden you think about the things that are going wrong. But when you pray out loud, it kind of removes that. There is something about staying focused when you pray out loud. You hear yourself and you're heard. Your mind doesn't wander. When the odds are stacked against you, you, there's a certain way you need to pray that is different from the way you normally pray. And I'm going to show you here that Jehoshaphat gives us three steps on how to pray when you are overwhelmed. Three things that you can do when you pray. Let's look at 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 6. Are you not the God who is in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. Power and might are in your hand, and no one can withstand you. The model prayer when you are overwhelmed, number one, remind yourself of who God is. You know, I'm sitting in the shower thinking about all these expenses and the plumber's got to show up and he doesn't even know about this latest one, but he's got to show up and dig out this sump pump. And, you know, we've got a basement that the, you know, know, if any of you know what's going on, it's got to be pumped upward. So 
Maybe you don't know what's going on. But if you have a basement that's below the city sewer, then your stuff has to be pumped northward. Okay, enough. If you don't get it, so be it. But I'm sitting there in the shower needing to remember who God is. My focus is on plumbing, but my focus needed to be on God. Plumbing is nothing for God. Just as minor as plumbing is nothing for God, cancer is nothing for God. There is no big and small to him. He holds the universe in the span of his hand. If you can be at a distance to where you could see the universe in the span of his hand, think how small cancer would be. Same thing with my plumbing. You know, am I making light? No, these are real problems. But God can handle what you're going through. Same thing. The United States of America. We have billions of galaxies. Billions. God can't handle us. He can. God can't turn our school system around. God can't break people of addiction from drugs. God can't break break people from the addiction of the internet and pornography. Come on. We need to believe God can do these things. God can do it. We need to remind ourselves of who God is. Before I talk to God about the problem, I need to focus on God and remind myself that God's bigger than the problem I'm facing. All you do is you just say, God, you are powerful. Nothing is too hard for you. All things are possible through you. You rule over all kingdoms and nations. You are the king of kings, the Lord of lords. The king here realizes that these three enemy nations are coming at him. And he stops and says, wait a minute, God, you're bigger than all these nations. I want to keep that in mind. You're bigger than anything I'll face. So that number one, this is number one of how to pray when you're overwhelmed. Number two, what has he done In the past, you must remember what he has done in the past. We sang all these songs this morning. Enemies camp, putting whatever he's taken from us under under his feet, going back and taking what should be ours. God doesn't want you to have stuff taken. He wants you to go get it. Then look what the Lord has done. Can you believe what the Lord has done in me? Stop for a minute. We talked last week about this, how important the testimony is, and that when you're walking through problems, you stop and see these altars that you've built on what he has done. Elizabeth yesterday went through this horrible uh, neck pain. Couldn't hardly move, and she stayed here and served all day. Probably, probably was here nine hours. Couldn't turn her neck, just was in excruciating pain. Couldn't hardly walk around. Any of you that saw her, you know, she had a thing wrapped around her neck and was just like this all day. And then she'd go walking and go, oh, and then she'd straighten back up and keep going. It was pitiful. But then I start remembering, God, the crick in her neck. Wait a minute. You've already healed her neck before. You healed her of a tumor in her throat. Tumor's a lot bigger, a lot more worry to me than the crick. But I'm focused on the crick. God says, forget the crick. I got it. Turn to me. Look at me. Me. I'm here waiting for you to come back. My arms are wide open. I'm going to come running to you. Just look at me. Acknowledge me. What has he done in the past? Well, he can handle that crick in your neck. You know, it takes me to get up here on stage sometimes to figure out how I need to pray for you. Do we get out of focus? We do. You're not alone. 
Elizabeth and I and my whole family, our family of six, got in the family room of our house, held hands and prayed for our plumbing. God's the God over my plumbing. It's no, no, nothing too big, nothing too small. But can we focus on him? What has he done in the past? And then finally, I'm sorry, let me read you a scripture. Did I get ahead? Didn't you drive out those who lived in this land when your people arrived? What do we do? Let's go back. Didn't you drive out those people? I'm going to repeat it. Of those people who lived in your land when you arrived. Who is he talking about? He's talking about Moses and Joshua. He's going back years and years and saying, wait a minute, God. You've done this before. And it wasn't even me. Wasn't even my daddy. It was way back. What's so good is you don't just have to, you don't just have to remember what you walked through. You can remember what your daddy walked through or remember what your granddaddy walked through or remember what the nation walked through or remember what your brother or sister next to you went through. Lord, I, I, I have you in my heart. I'm spirit filled. I believe in you. I'm serving you. Look at what he's done in David Trumbly's life. Look at what he's done in Elizabeth's life or the Bilbrey's life or y'all's life. Look at what he's done. Now do it in my life. That's the next thing. Ask God for help now. God's ready to help you now. You know, Pharaoh, when he was asked, when should I take the plagues away? Moses said, when do you want the plagues taken away? Pharaoh says, do it tomorrow. God's not a God of tomorrow. God's a God of right now. Do it tomorrow. Can you imagine going through it that much longer until tomorrow? Do it now. Go back and read it. Every single time he says, do it tomorrow. God says, I want to do it right now. Ask God for help right now. Look what it says. Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 12. Oh, God, won't you stop him? That did not take a theology degree. To know that statement. Does that not sound like us? It's not a thus thou saith the Lord hither, whither verbiage. It's God. Will you stop him? You ask him for your help now. What are you going through? What have you got coming at you? God, I remember you. You're all powerful. You've got the, the universe in the span of your hand. You've named all the stars. You've got my hairs all numbered. Look at how big you are. You are the creator. You created me in your image. You are all powerful. You are so great. And look at what you've done in my life. You've rescued me here and you've done this for me here and you've done this in my kids and you've done this in my church and you've done this. Now, God, I've got this problem. Help me. Help me. Before the armies ever even arrived, Jehoshaphat sought God. How about doing it again, Lord? Do it again. Earlier in verse 9, he mentions three kinds of situations. These tragedies and physical needs and material needs and plagues and famine. None of this is too hard for you. You've helped us in the past, so do it again. His prayer is built around these three statements, these three questions. Are you not? Did you not? Will you not? He says, are you not God? Yes, you're in charge. You are God. And you're big enough to handle it. Did you not help us in the past? Yes, you did help us in the past. Will you help us again? Yes, you will help us again. 
Do you see the way to pray? That's the way you need to pray when you're overwhelmed. No matter the situation, you need to remind yourself first of who God is. Second, what he's done. And third, ask him to do it again. Do it again. Do it again, Lord. What are you believing for? What are you believing for? It's time to get out of the boat. Let me tell you something great. Does anybody here need a word that's great? God is a God of grace. You don't have to be perfect to come and ask. Now, does God expect you to change when he comes to you? Yes. But you know what? Every time that you see people going to Jesus for healing, he healed them and then said, go and sin no more. He didn't say, well, hang on. Let's, let's bow down our knee and let's try to get everything right. Tell me everything you've done wrong in your life. All your problems. Whew, that's bad. That's really bad. Now, let me let me let me process that for just a minute and then maybe I'll pray for you. Nope. He healed all the sick. And he didn't condemn them. He didn't get on to them. He healed them and then talked to them. Regardless of how you've walked in and you may feel like, Pastor, I can't even talk to God because of the things that I've done. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. The great thing is God is a God of grace and mercy. Let me tell you, even walking in here today, I've not done everything right. God says, you can't clean yourself up enough to come to me. That's why I came to you. And I paid every price for you. And all I'm looking for you is effort. Give me effort. You're not perfect. Just show me that you're trying. And you know what? You don't even have to show him that you're trying when you first come. You just got to come. The throne of God is a throne of mercy and grace. Regardless of how bad you have been. You can come to the Lord and ask him for help. And receive help. Is that good? That's good. Stand up with me. I encourage you. It's time to come. Quit living a life of downtroddenness, of being beat down and depressed. Quit it. Come to the Lord today. Step out. Come to this altar. Come and pray. Let someone pray with you. Those that are praying, come on forward. Maybe you've never even made that first commitment to Jesus Christ. You say, Pastor, I've never even given my heart to the Lord. I'm not going to take much time with this this morning. I just encourage you, step out here and let us pray with you. Ask Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. Ask Him to save you. And He's going to save you with mercy and grace. And there's not anything that you have done in this world that is too bad to be able to come to the Lord. That is a lie that Satan has been telling you, that you're not good enough. You can come. If you have a prayer need, if you have any kind of ailment that you're going through, God is Jehovah Rophi, the Lord, our healer. There is nothing too big for him. There is nothing too big for him. He's going to do it. He's going to do it.